Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 171, Board Game Geek Hotness. We'd like to thank our brand new Patreon backer, Carmen, for joining Team BGA. You rock. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, it's coming up. We're going to go to Origins. It's going to be a ton of fun. Are you excited, man? I really am. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's funny because I, I don't really think about it too much going up to the con. There's May is a crazy month. There's all these birthdays and all this stuff going on. And then all of a sudden, usually around this time of month, the last week or two of May, I'm like, wait a second. It's con season. I get to leave. <laughs> My birthday is coming up. That means board games. <laughs> and it, it helps that I had like an actual board game day this weekend, which is rare for me. But it really sunk it home for me like we're going to origins we're gonna play some games we're gonna get some new games it's gonna be awesome so yeah i'm psyched yeah it's it's if you haven't been to origins in columbus ohio in june you know it's a very different con than probably any of the other cons it has a really nice mix of just kind of open board gaming has a board game library some special events true dungeons going to be there and a whole bunch of vendors and it's a really good kind of start for the convention season because you get to see a lot of demos and the excitement starts happening. Like people start getting exciting about the con season. So like origins is kind of the opening for that. And you can kind of feel the energy in the air, like what's coming next, what's happening. It's just, 
it's a lot, a lot of good juice that happened in there. Yeah, and it's not like a big crazy con. That was the thing. Like, I've been to Origins and Gen Con now, and I've been to PAX and a couple others, and it's like squarely in the middle. It's yeah. big, but it's not huge. It's small, but not too small. Like, you get a nice <laughs> mix of the new games and the, the publishers, but also plenty of options to play games. And it, it really is like that middle zone that I'm aiming for. I mean, the small cons are awesome because you just play games the whole time, but like for actually getting into new stuff and getting psyched for the summer, this is it. What's really funny is we started our like major, major con with Gen Con. Yeah. <laughs> Especially true. when it was like packed in that tiny, tiny space and it was just tons of people. And we came out of that like broken and exhausted and spent. And then the following year we went to Origins. We're like, all right, we got to get up early. We got to get good shoes on. We got to get through, run through, do this. And then everyone's like, hey, man, what's going on? It's good to see you here. It's just just take your time. <laughs> just stroll, man. It's all about strolling. It's fine. It's cool, dude. And you're like, oh, all right. Are you sure? You're like, yeah, it's fine. And you're like, oh, okay. And then eventually you get kind of used to it. It's definitely a, definitely a different experience. Yeah, that first Gen Con was kind of a headache. Like, Yeah. I remember it like well, but – I took a 10-hour bus in. Drew took, like, a 19-hour bus in. I flew. Daniel dr drove up from, like, yes. Alabama, and you flew in, and then... We literally did trains. <laughs> yeah, trains, planes, and automobiles. Automobiles, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, your feet just got destroyed it by got day destroyed. two. Yeah. I missed my plane on the way out, so I had to, like, book an extra hotel room before I left, and then, like, packing all the stuff up so we could actually bring it home. And, and don't then, forget the hotel itself. Oh, my gosh. Like, out in the middle of nowhere, it was a shining. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was not the best first con experience. And yet we still had fun, so we went we, back. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of fun with that. Well, Anthony, talking about fun and cons, do we have anything of interest that's going to be fun coming up for BGA at Origins? Yeah, yeah. We've been trying to plan this for a little bit, so we don't have, like, finite, finite details yet, guys. But on... Thursday night, which is the second day of the con, the first day that the exhibition hall is open. So day two slash day one, depending on when you show up. But Thursday night, um, we're going to be doing a meetup. So we're going to be picking a restaurant. Um, we're talking to the restaurants right now. So we're going to let you know which restaurant that is on the next episode, but also on Facebook. So we're going to put an event up on the Facebook page and you can check that out and sign up and let us know that you're interested in coming but really we just want anybody who's out there listening who wants to hang out thursday night at origins we're going to be doing that so probably around seven o'clock or so you know in about an hour after the hall closes um, we're going to head over grab some dinner hopefully hang out with some awesome listeners it's going to be a lot of fun and then you know just have a chance to say hi and you know thanks for listening and how about this awesome con right absolutely so Check on Facebook and our website, obviously, BoardGamersAnonymous.com for more details. If you are a Patreon backer, Patreon.com backslash BJA, you're already on our Slack group. So you're going to get that information as it happens. So keep on to us with all of that stuff, and uh, we'll get to see you at Origins. All right, Anthony, we also have some other great stuff coming up for people who won't be at Origins but want to get involved. So what else do we have? All right, so big episode coming up in the middle of June. This is our 2018 World Cup of Science Fiction board games. These are games that take place in a science fiction universe in space, and there will be 32 of them broken up into eight groups of four, and then we're going to basically do the double elimination similar to the World Cup where two teams are going to come out of each of those pools 
create a bracket of 16 until we have one winner. Um, we did this four years ago. If you want to check out episode 30, we did fantasy games. Uh, I'm not going to spoil which one won, but it was a bit of a surprise. We had some controversy on the episode. Uh, Drew threw some wrenches into the mix, as he often does. And it was a lot of fun. So we figured, why not do it again? And this time, let's have a contest. So if you go to BoardGamersAnonymous.com, uh, and it should be the second or third item at the top of the page, or you can click the link in the show notes for this episode. There is a uh, entry point on that page to pick the winners that you think are going to come out of each pool. So what you have to do is you log in, use your Facebook or your email or your Instagram or your Twitter, or whatever you want to use to log in, and then choose two games from each of the eight pools that you think are going to advance to the final round, and then also pick a game that you think is going to be the ultimate winner. You get two points for every game you pick correctly from the pools, and then five points if you pick the ultimate winner correctly. And then whoever has the most points, I think it's a maximum of 37 points, um, whoever has the most is going to win a game. Um, the list of games you can win is right there. It's all the sci-fi games from um, the list that are currently in print and within uh, a certain price range. And we will ship that out to you if you win this. So um, make sure you hop on there and join. It's real quick. It's real easy. You don't have to do a whole lot. Just tell us which games you think are going to win, and we will um, enter you in the contest. All right. So more games from the gaming podcast. Anthony, let's get on to our question for the week. Okie doke. So honestly, a lot of these questions of the week are me having a particular moment at game night and thinking, man, what do other people do in this situation? And so this was me playing Nusfjord the other night. This is a new game from Uwe Rosenberg, and it's about fishing and, I guess, cutting down trees. I'm not really sure. There's wood and fish and money, and it's an <laughs> Uwe Rosenberg game, so theme is it's in there somewhere. But the money, specifically, the $1 pieces are the tiniest little pieces you've ever seen in your life. Now, there's a picture up on their Facebook page. You can see them, but they are seriously too small and they fall on the floor you lose them forever and then you run out of money so i'm going to upgrade them i'm going to replace them and so i asked people what game components have you replaced in your own games and why selena said cottage garden she replaced the cats with fairy garden animals and also found tiny pots that work nicely she also bought a set of scythe metal coins to use anytime i pull a game out that has cardboard money um, which i will also do because the cardboard money sucks George mentions lots of bits on Scythe because Scythe. He also found minis to replace the chits in Mice and Mystics and some little keys to replace the cardboard ones in Abyss. James mentions replacing paper money with poker chips, especially in Power Grid. Jen mentions terraforming Mars player mats, which I think we've all done at this point. Hopefully, I have personally. Jesse mentions Lords of Vegas, again with poker chips. I think poker chips are a very common um, upgrade, and I full wholeheartedly agree with that. And then Stuart had one of my favorites, which was bottle caps for Hit Zeroed, which has bottle cap money in it, as well as Fallout, uh, the board game, which also has bottle cap money. So, um, yeah, for me, it's going to be money. Anytime the money is too small for me to actually physically hold, I need to replace it. It doesn't have to be metal, just something slightly larger. Yeah, money tends to be a big issue, especially if you happen to have an older game that has paper money. And typically, poker chips is the best replacement i know dave our friend has a great set of poker chips they're fairly expensive but if you're going to use them again and again that's really a good investment beyond money for me one of the biggest problems with board games and might be surprising is sometimes the score track so for example santa maria one of the newer games 
has these little pink tokens that you're supposed to kind of like stack up in this little area on your board for victory points. But they don't really stack very well. And it's kind of a small area and they kind of topple over and they're really hard to manage. And uh, in particular, another game, uh, a little bit older, uh, Stefan Feld game, Rialto, has a terrible score tracker. So what I like to do is take a score tracker that I already have laminated and kind of use that as a universal score tracker. Or just sometimes when you get that really weird snake score tracker where if you're not careful, you kind of either give yourself plus 10 or minus 10. It's always really messy. So just having a spare score tracker actually helps a lot. Yeah, the snake is the worst. It's it's seriously awful. Stop doing it, guys. Yeah, it's it's really problematic, especially when you're concentrating on the game and you just go to move the piece, and you, that's just not a good... All right, so that's everything for our question of the week. Anthony, it is time for our favorite segment where you try to make me buy games, and I try to make you buy games. So let's talk about our acquisition disorders. What do you have for us this week? I might win this time. <laughs> I, I think know. you might. <laughs> yeah, I think I got you this time. Damn it. Uh, yes, I, I got to it first because I, I like I knew I got into the spreadsheet and I saw you hadn't added it yet. And I was like, I got there first. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so mine is on Mars. This is the new Vital Lacerda game. There were rumors that he was working on a Mars game going back a year or two now, but it just finally got added to BGG and it is now number one on the hotness. So spoiler for our future feature, this is the hottest game on BGG right now because it's Mars. We all love Mars and it's Lacerda and it looks amazing. I don't know who the publisher is yet. Hopefully it gets the ultimate deluxe edition presentation. And in terms of components and mechanics, there's a whole lot going on. You know, um, the cover of the game is kind of that old Art Deco NASA style. Like looks like 1960s cover. But then you look at the actual components and it's just this sprawling, big, wide open hexagonal map of Mars. And then all these different bits and pieces going on. So it's kind of a mix of economic and exploration with a little bit of farming mixed in. You're going to Mars. You are trying to build up your settlers on Mars and you're trading back not only locally with other settlers and colonies on Mars, but also back with Earth. So a lot of stuff is going on here. It's about colonizing Mars. It's about researching on Mars. It's about exploring all the good stuff. This is one of my favorite themes right now. And it's ironic because a lot of games have come out recently with a Mars theme. And in my opinion, less than half of them have done it well. But the ones that do do it well are among my favorite games. So I really do enjoy this. I think it's really fun. It takes the whole exploration and colonizing idea, um, removes it from the murky waters of Earth history and puts it on a new planet. And it just really creates a really cool experience. And I think Vital Lacerda, who's a guy who puts theme into his games better than any other Euro designer, period, is really going to do this justice. So I'm very excited for this one. Wow, you threw a period out there. Period. Done. Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This game looks fantastic. I was going to get it to the list, but he got there. And let me just say, area control, hand management, pick up and deliver, point-to-point -point movement, tile placement, and probably one of my favorite mechanics, the uh, variable phase order. So you can kind of pick what actions you're going to be taking based upon everybody else. So this looks great. This looks outstanding. So this is definitely something that I'm going to be picking up. Hopefully this gets picked up pretty soon and we know who the publisher is, maybe Eagle Griffin or somebody else, but looks fantastic. Definitely check this one out. This is definitely one I want a deluxified version of. It looks really, really good. All right. So I wanted to talk about something a little bit on the, the I guess, much, much 
lower end as far as weight is concerned and much more on the terrestrial end because what we're talking about is forgotten treasures. We talked about this last week because it's a Spiel des Jahres nomination. This is Luxor, Forgotten Treasures. And the reason why I bring this up is because it is currently on Kickstarter. And as Anthony, I mentioned earlier, going to conventions really kind of teaches you a couple lessons about board gaming. One being when a game comes up for nomination and could be receiving the award for Spiros Jars, it tends to go out of stock and out of print very, very quickly. So Luxar being on Kickstarter is something to take a look at right now. Now, if you're not familiar with this game, it's from Queen Games, and basically you are a treasure hunter. Now, this game is kind of similar as far as a kind of roll and move game, but instead of dice, what you're gonna be doing is you get five cards and you will line them up on a little placard and then you get a choice. You can play the card all the way to the left or a card all the way to the right. It will tell you what movement you can take as far as exploring this whole area. And then you will take that particular number. It might also have a special action or ability that's associated with it. And then once you take that, you'll add another card that'll go right in the middle so all the other cards can kind of get pushed to the edge. And it's kind of an interesting action selection that you can do. Now, the game itself is a set collection game. So basically what you're doing is you're moving your archeologist through this tomb area. And basically there are randomly assigned tiles throughout the board. So what is required to dig up these treasures is a certain number of archeologists. So once your meeple lands there, if it requires only one, you get that resource or that's kind of treasure. And that becomes part of your set collection. Now, if you need an additional explorer slash archaeologist, don't worry about it because as you go through the board, you'll unlock other people that you'll be able to utilize in the game. So even though you're way ahead, that person you unlock goes way back to the beginning. So you'll have a second opportunity to land on another tile or be able to hit the right tile with the right number of meeples so that you'll be able to get that special award. Now, don't worry because even once those tiles are claimed, the board commands you to put a different type of tile down there so other players will have the opportunity to get additional tiles throughout the game. There's some special actions and ability in this game. And basically it's a, a race because if you're able to get to kind of the central chamber of this dig, you'll score a bonus victory point. So it's a bit of a set collection. It's a bit of an odd action selection and it's currently on Kickstarter. So by the time you hear this, you only have about a day or two. It backs on Tuesday. May 29th. You can pick this up for $68, which is their collector's edition, which comes with their typical little queenie expansions and their, what they call an expedition expansion along with the game. So definitely check this one out. Yeah, this is one that uh, I guess they kickstarted a while back and they're like, let's do it again now that we have an award nomination. I, I haven't played it yet. I look forward to playing it at Origins because I know they're going to have it. So uh, we will let you know what to think then yep. as well. All right, Anthony, so that's it for Acquisition Disorders. Now to the games that are actually hitting our table. What you got this week? Okay, so I have a bit of an older game that just recently is getting a re-release. It's called Kashgar Merchants of the Silk Road. Uh, it originally came out in 2013 from Cosmos, and it's being reprinted by Grail Games, who have become known for digging back 10 to 20 years and finding these old euros that 
only got a single print run, but that people are eager to see. So they've been doing a lot of Reiner Knizia games. This game, I, I did back it. It just showed up and it is a fairly light to middleweight game. Um, designer Gerhard Hecht. And uh, it's, I guess you'd call a deck or pool building, but it's a fairly unique in how it works. So you have a board and it has all your different resources on it. Uh, there are five or six different types there. And then you have three columns of cards. You start the game, I think there are two cards in each of those columns. And you will then take it one action on every turn you have. And when you take your action, you activate the top card from one of those columns. The cards will do all sorts of different things. They will get you different resources that go onto your board. So spice, gold, mules all sorts of different stuff that you can then use later to get victory points. You can bring new action cards into those columns, which then go to the back of the column. Every time you use a card, it goes to the back of the column as well. And then obviously you have to cycle through that column to get to that card again and use it. You can also fulfill different delivery request cards. Some of these actions allow you to fulfill these cards that are going to give you victory points. You basically turn in the different resources you've built up and complete a victory point condition. And other ones let you get rid of cards from your columns. So like thin it out a little bit and ideally get to the better actions quicker. And that's about it. It's a fairly quick game. It takes half an hour to an hour. The game goes until somebody hits 25 points. Then you finish the round and see who has the most points total. I, they describe it as like an open deck builder. So everybody can see what you're building and the cards are always available to look at. And you know when they're coming. And you can kind of maneuver and build around it. And it's very, very interesting. You know, it's one of those kind of lighter weight economic games that kind of fits in that middle area. And these are the kind of games I really enjoy for fillers because they are quick. They're relatively simple to teach, but they have a lot of depth to them when you really dig into it. And I've had a lot of fun kind of, you know, exploring different strategies and the different types of cards that come up in this game. There's a lot of depth to it, despite the fact that it's a relatively short, relatively simple and relatively low-key game that you can play, you know, in 30 or 45 minutes between two larger games if you have a long game day. So yeah, I full-heartedly recommend this game. I think if you're looking for a little bit heavier, more interesting filler-ish kind of game um, for $30 or less, Kashgar is well worth picking up. So I give it a buy. Definitely check out Kashgar if you get a chance to see it when it hits the uh, stores from Grail Games. Yeah, this game actually has pretty high game quality as, as far as the components and the artwork is concerned, considering it's an older game. Yeah, I mean, part of that, too, is Grail Games, you know, they'll reprint the game if it looked good originally. Sure. And if it didn't, they'll make it look better. You know, like the version of Medici they did last mm -hmm. year was amazing. The original version of Medici was yes. not so um that's a game that i'm very happy i own and i'm happy to bring out where the old one was not uh even though it was again a grail sure. game um so them bringing all these games out really makes me happy they have a couple more from Kinesia that are coming soon that i'm pretty excited about and uh, hopefully they keep doing it because it's it's cool to get these really really under the radar games that deserve to be printed out absolutely and it looks like a great one all right, Anthony. Well, I want to talk about something that's not as old, but it's been around a little while. This is Seven Wonders Duel Pantheon. Now, Seven Wonders Duel, we've talked about a lot. We both really enjoy that game a great deal. If you haven't played it, first off, Seven Wonders. It's a civilization-building game using a deck of cards that you're drafting throughout the game. Now, Seven Wonders Duel does it a little bit different. First off, it's just a two-player game. 
you're still building wonders. You're still building a tableau of resources, victory points, science, technology, and military. But it involves a interesting little setup where the cards are laid out in such a way that it kind of creates a little diagram where by taking a card, it could possibly reveal another card that will be available for you. It's a great game. You can listen back to our review. Anthony and I both love it. It's it's a top 10 game for me, one of my favorite games. Now, with this expansion, what you're adding is the different pantheons of gods that come with these different Mediterranean cultures. So what we're looking at here is a couple of different things. It obviously adds some new wonders to the game and some new tokens and a couple of new cards. But this is, once again, another game from Anton Bowser and Bruno Cathala. And the main part of it is obviously going to be this beautiful little cardboard piece that really nicely fits into the already set up board, where it's going to be this, like, godly ethereal realm. And at the start of the game, there are going to be tokens assigned to certain cards. If you pick up that card with the token, you are going to be able to choose from the different from the different pantheons to place a god across this kind of heavenly area now based upon where you place this god you are either making it cheaper for you and more expensive for your opponent or vice versa so if you put out a god you're like you know this god's not really great for me i'm going to put it for my opponent because i don't think he'll he'll need it either whereas this god is really powerful and it's it's a really good god to get so I'm going to put this on my side so it's cheaper for me so I can pick it up later and more expensive for my opponent. I really, really like that mechanic, the strategic decisions of where to put something. It kind of reminds me of like almost placing things in a particular market. So you place these cards up top. There's going to be six of these different cards, five gods, and this one kind of like door card, which is going to allow you to kind of pick from the rest of the gods at double the price that it's that's landing on. In addition to that, there are some new temple cards that replace the guilds that come into play that are basically a set collection that's going to score you a lot of points. There's some additional technologies that are available possibly. And once again, it's everything that Seven Wonders Duels is, but it adds an extra level to it. Now, I'm a big fan of expansions. I'm a big fan of Seven Wonders. I am a huge fan of this artwork. These super kind of tarot-sized cards are beautiful with the different gods on them. This is definitely a buy. Seven Wonders Duel Pantheon is a buy. But what I'm going to say to you is, if you love Seven Wonders Duel, you don't necessarily need this. I don't feel like it fixed the game because I think the game works perfectly. It's definitely more of the same, but it's not necessarily something that like you're going to play with it every time. I feel like the base game is a great game on its own. And while I do love expansions, I could play with this or not play with this and still have just the great same great experience with it. Yeah, man, I, this is a tough one. Like I've had this expansion since it came out, which is almost a year and a half ago. And I played with it twice and I haven't brought it out since. Like if I, I feel like if you have a dedicated partner that you play Seven Wonders Duel with all the time, then eventually that adding this in makes perfect sense. But if you're just bringing it out as a filler, if you bring it to game night to play two player, if you play it with your, you know, your spouse or partner, like it just doesn't really need to be there. Like it's a funny thing. Like you have a perfect board game, a near perfect board game for two players. And then they add this expansion, which is good, 
but was never needed. And it makes it really hard for me to know what to think of it. I, I give it a play personally because it's not necessary at all and I don't really play it that much. I'm happy to own it, but I, I wouldn't say pick it up unless you play this game a lot. I would say the one thing that kind of sets it apart, makes it a buy for me, like that you should have this part of your collection, is two things. First, deciding where those gods go, where those special abilities go, go is really kind of fun and like stressful because where am I going to play something that might be good for me but bad for my opponent? And the second thing is you don't get a lot of those unique special ability mechanics unless you happen to either go all science or get lucky enough to get science tokens because I like that kind of like here's an additional asymmetrical mechanic that comes into play. So the gods actually, a lot of the gods actually give you that. So if you, if you're for whatever reason, not getting the science tokens, at least you're going to get those mechanics through the gods. That is a good point. I will say I do agree with that because the science in a two player game can only go to one person. So yeah, you can just lock somebody out and like they're getting science token. You're trying to stop them and you never got one of those like, Hey, if you do this thing, this thing happens. So, all right. Yeah. All right, Anthony. So that's everything for our at the table. It is time. Once again, for the hottest segment in the world in board gaming, BGG Hotness List. So why don't you take it away? Yes, let us continue our borrowing from Board Game Geek. Huzzah! Um, this, huzzah, indeed. <laughs> um, so we're going to share the top 15 games on Board Game Geek as of May 21st when we record this. And again, we are getting into full-blown convention season. There are small cons happening everywhere. There is Origins coming up. We have Dice Tower Con in July. We have Gen Con in August. Lots and lots of games popping up because of this. So this is going to change a lot. But today, these are the games at the top of the list. Number one, On Mars. Uh, again, this is the game I talked about in my acquisition disorder. So I won't rehash all that, but it's a new Vital Lacerda game and it looks awesome. Number two is Luxor, which was Chris's acquisition disorder. So um, we are one and two this week. And so again, we won't rehash everything about that game as well. But again, both look very good. Uh, and that one up for this Beel Shard this year. Number three is Bargain Quest. This is a game that was funded on Kickstarter. It is a auction and bidding card drafting game. Uh, it is relatively light on the age range. I think it's more on the, on the kid side. And it is probably just now getting into backers' hands. So you're going to see a bit of a surge here as people are looking at it and reviews are coming in. And some fairly decent feedback. It's got a pretty high rating so far. So definitely one worth checking out. Number four. Guess what it is, Chris? What is it, Anthony? It's it's Gloomhaven. Ah, uh, again? <laughs> it is Gloomhaven. It's um, it's going to be Gloomhaven forever, isn't it? It's in the top five for the rest of time. All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's, we'll leave it at that. Gloomhaven, what, number one rated game of all time. Still in the top <laughs> five. Okay. Uh, number five is Black Rose Wars. This is a game that it was recently funded on Kickstarter. You know when you go to BGG and you look at a mechanisms list and it has like 10 yeah. mechanisms on there? That yeah. is this game. Yep. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> we got a lot of high ratings. People are very excited about this game. It's only got about a three rating or three weight on it. I don't know what to think about it. It's miniatures. It's action movement programming, area control, area movement, campaign battle driven, deck building. It's got everything in it. So... It'll either work really well or it won't quite work. We will see when it ships. 
Crisis at Steamfall. This is a new game from Kickstarter <laughs> from out of Poland from BD Games. It's on Kickstarter right now, so that's the reason it's up here so far. And it is one of those exploration type of games. It's got a cooperative and competitive mode built in. So for me, that's always kind of a red flag. Uh, one of those is going to be good. The other one may be less good. So we'll see kind of how it pans out. But uh, it's got beautiful looking artwork, a lot of cool looking mechanisms in it. So we'll see how this game plays out. One to four players, which is always interesting to me personally. So I'm um, excited to see how that plays. Number six is The Seventh Continent. This is the sprawling adventure game that originally released about two years ago, but had a second Kickstarter that just shipped in the last few months. I personally have my copy sitting here in the corner that I have yet to kind of pull out and get to the table, but I'm very excited to give it a shot. Uh, it is one of those games that's risen into the top 10 on BGG, and uh, I would like to see why. So uh, the next one on the list here is Hellboy, the board game. Uh, this is exactly what you think it is. It is an exploration and adventure game set in a Hellboy comic book universe. It's not based on the movies, it's based on the comic books. So if you've read all those comic books from Mike Mignola, um, you'll recognize the different stories and kind of quirky characterisms that you have in Hellboy and his, his various um, compadres in that universe. Um, it's similar to the movies, but it's, it's very, very different and has a lot more to it. So I'm kind of excited to see this one. I didn't back it, but I'm excited to see what they do with it. Next up is another perennial game, uh, number five on BGG, Terraforming Mars. It's one of my favorites. It's probably going to bump up a little bit higher when the app comes out here in the next few weeks. Uh, we played the app. You can go back and listen to a couple episodes ago. We played the early alpha beta version of it, and it, it seemed good, right? Yeah, it seemed fine. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how they build that out when it gets to like online play. Next on the list is Arkham Horror, the card game. This is almost always on this list. It's number 20 all time. It also just had a big deluxe expansion release about two weeks ago. So the next cycle of stuff is coming uh, for Arkham Horror. Um, it is, in my opinion, still the best of the LCGs, regardless of competition or co-op. It's just really well built, very strong cooperative play, lots of good story elements. And every single piece that comes into the game has a new mechanism or something that tweaks it a little bit and makes it interesting. So well worth checking out if you like solo co-op play. The next one here is Lost Cities Rivals. This is a new take on the Lost Cities formula with two to four players this time. The original Lost Cities is a two-player game only, probably one of the best two-player games around. Uh, there was a Lost Cities board game as well that was not really as well received. This is kind of a new take on that. So a new chance to turn that Lost Cities, you have a deck of cards and play them out and see what happens in this kind of auction bidding set collection mechanisms in a new system. So we'll see if it works this time. Uh, the board game's not bad, it's just the card game's better. We'll see if Rivals is a little bit better still. Uh, next up is Azul. Azul has been up here for a while. It is also nominated for the Spildish Yar, and it's personally my pick. I don't know where it stands against the other two, but it's a very, very good abstract. Next on the list at number 13 is Imaginarium. And this was on our acquisition disorders probably three months ago. It's a new Bruna Cathala game from Bombix. And it is also on Kickstarter right now. Uh, just went up and seems interesting. It's got all this crazy kind of out there dream world mechanisms going on. 
it's a, a worker placement game at its core, but it has some interesting ideas built around it. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Uh, as a game on Kickstarter, of course, we can't see how it plays out except in our marketing materials, but it, it does look very pretty and we'll probably see it sometime next year after it kickstarts. Number 14 is Europa Universalis. If you're wondering why this is on the list, considering it's a game from 1993, it is because the video game company Paradox Interactive has announced that they will be making board games based on some of their video games, some of which are based on board games. So um, the basic idea is that they have a series of video games based on the Europa Universalis world, and they want to build a new board game on top of this. So people are talking about it in the forums. Should you go back and check out this old game? Do you like big, sprawling civilization games that take 10 hours? There you go. There's your answer. That's where you're going to get. So, And that, that is kind of where we're at right now. Uh, and then number 15 on the list is Scythe. Scythe is always up here again, number seven all time. Has a new expansion coming out here in the next few months, The Rise of Fenris, um, as well as an app coming out over the summer. Lots of people excited about that as well. So there you have it. Top 15 on VGG. All right, so that's everything for this time. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.